0: Well, I'm glad to have our special guests here today, Kevin and Sandy. Uh, they are, are workers in the Silk Road region of the world, in which uh, we have international workers that work with people in that uh, group, uh, people group. And Bev and I were privileged to uh, travel out there this uh, past month for a couple of weeks to see the work, to see and experience the culture, and uh, just to see the people out there. And it was uh, great to meet your team, and we're glad that you're here with us today. And um, they were great hosts, wonderful hosts there. We had a lot of fun, but we also uh, experienced the culture and what the work is out there. If you're visiting with us today, this is kind of an unusual service. We are a a global church. We have partnerships in in different regions of the world. And today I'm interviewing uh, this couple who work in the Arabian Peninsula specifically. So uh, this is different. If you're not a believer, this might seem strange to you and you might not agree with what we do. But I want you to know that we take the name of Jesus Christ serious. And our desire is that people would experience the freedom and hope that we have. And so, uh, if you would just listen in on this conversation today, and uh, hopefully you'll come back again and visit with us. And uh, next Sunday, I'm excited about uh, talking to all the church about one of the most important things that we can do as, as those who follow Christ. And if you're considering following Christ, Next Sunday, next Sunday will be a good Sunday to be here as well. Now, the past seven weeks, Pastor Paul has been uh, talking about Plugged In, and it really was a series about prayer. And he began by telling us that prayer is not magic. You know, if, if you're looking for a wand and hoping that things will get better, really prayer's not really just about that. Uh, It's also not a wrestling match where we're trying to get God to to say uncle, you know, to give us what we want. Or hopefully that we persist long enough that he finally says, okay, get this guy off my back, give him what he wants. It's not that. And certainly prayer is not just to relieve guilt. And some of us do crazy things and then we say, oh God, would you just cleanse me? I mean, there's part of that in prayer. But the purpose really that Paul unpacked for us so eloquently these seven weeks was that God wants a relationship with us. And he wants to communicate with us. And part of prayer is talking to God, but another vital part is listening to him. And he has things to say to us. And so it's been a a seven-week journey. During the seven weeks, we invited uh, some of you, all of you, really, to be part of a Holy Spirit weekend, a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday afternoon. <clears throat> and that was just a great time for the 80-plus people that were there that weekend. It, we found it is foundational, uh, really, to, to living a Christ life. During the Holy Spirit weekend, we learned that prayer is foundation to be filled and to be led by the Spirit. We had the weekend to practice some of the things that we were learning it's not knowledge based, it's not something that you got the booklet you put it on the shelf but it is something that you in it's a way of living and so we talked about that and so there's really several points about this one we need to embrace new life in christ and we do that through the holy spirit and we learn together from ephesians that there are so many natural ways of living. The, what we call the old nature is very much alive in us. And the writer to the Galatians said, for the flesh, verse 17, desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit contrary to the flesh. And they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But then if you go down... Verse 18, it says, but if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And this is really an interesting part of what he's saying because in verse 22, he said the fruit of the Spirit, if you're filled with the Spirit, in other words, the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. You know, it's, You don't need a law. If if you're loving people, you don't come with a law that says, hey, guys, you're loving each other a little too much. You know, we need a law to limit the love, right? We need a law to limit your patience. You're way too patient. When you're filled with God's Spirit, there's no law against what the Spirit deposits in us. And so we embrace this new life in Christ. And secondly... We receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's a gift. It's available to all those who believe in Christ. And in Luke eleven nineteen, 19, uh, the writer says, you know, verse 11, which of you fathers, if a son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks him for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in heaven who gives us the Holy Spirit those who ask of him. And so it's available to everybody. When you ask the good Father for the Holy Spirit, he gives it. And thirdly, realize why God fills us with the Holy Spirit. It's not just for our benefit. I mean, it is wonderful to be led and controlled and filled by the Spirit, But Jesus, when he was leaving, said, look, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to leave you the Spirit. So wait here until you're filled, and then you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And really, that's the whole point. And I'm so glad that people 2,000 years ago were filled with God's Spirit and declared the message or we wouldn't be sitting here today. And if we want to see churches in the future, this is critical, that we're filled and enabled and empowered to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And so today, we're glad that Kevin and Sandy are here, and we're going to just talk a little bit about uh, what their work is, and and tell us what you were doing in the Middle East.
1: We were involved in video ministry, but you know what? It's better than telling you, let's show you. Can we play that video? <clears throat> While we were overseas, we worked in the video ministry and primarily our responsibility at that time was to um, videotape testimonials. Testimonials of men and women who came to faith in Christ from the majority religion in the Arabian Peninsula. And as they told their stories, we recorded it, and those stories then were shown on Uh, satellite TV and websites. These men and women told their stories on video uh, really amongst great danger to themselves and as you can see most of the faces were blurred and covered one gentleman at the uh, near the end there was not and he was very Determined to show that he, he has accepted Christ and he didn't care who saw and and uh, as a result He had moved over to Canada he and his family But his family back in Kuwait he was from Kuwait actually received persecution because that video was out there So it's a very dangerous things for them to do But it's powerful for for many of the people living in these small countries Although they can't identify the, the person's face they can see the collar of the man's uh, robe It's called a condura identifies which country they're from, and the dialect of Arabic that they speak also identifies which, um, which country they're from. And so being that the countries are so small, they can actually think, they, they do think, this could be my neighbor. And they've always been taught to believe that no one from the Arabian Peninsula, this is the birthplace of Islam, no one ever leaves Islam. So this has been a huge... Um, opening, eye-opening event for for many people across the Arabian Peninsula to see these new believers share their faith. So as we did the video production, we also taught the new believers as they came to faith in Christ how to share their stories and given that you know, our, our job really is to work ourselves out of a job. That's our purpose. And these people know better how to reach out to their fellow countrymen much better than we do. We're just Canadians. They know it much better. So we trained them on how to make videos. And so they made a few, several videos actually. I want to show you one of them right here. These very simple one-minute videos express the hearts of those in the Arabian Peninsula that have come from Islam and now worship Jesus Christ. They have things in their mind that they want to share with their countrymen and that's how they best can do it, through their video.
2: So videos was one part of our job. The other part of our job was doing logistics. And you'd think, well, why would you need logistics? When you have a big team over there, and everybody's doing something different, somebody has to do the unromantic jobs, such as bookkeeping and hospitality. And we did some teaching as well. So if you're thinking in the audience, well, I don't have any skills. I couldn't go over anywhere and do anything. Oh, yes, you do. Ordinary skills are required on a team, so don't close that door for yourself. You never know.
0: It's uh, important to recognize uh, just to this whole video idea and the logistics that in some countries of the world they are very close to any other type of religion. And so there are laws in this country that we cannot talk to those who are part of the You know, they're citizens there. So you can't just send international workers there. Uh, You have to send people with skill sets like uh, Kevin and Sandy have. Um, We met a doctor and his wife. His wife's a teacher. Um, These are skill sets that, that are used there to build relationships with people with the opportunity to share the message of Christ what Bev and I noticed is that the dominant religion there is very oppressive. And and, uh, the reason we would share the message of hope is there's freedom. There's freedom in Christ. And so, that's my question for you. Why is it necessary for Jesus followers to tell others about Jesus? Because there is an element of Christianity that says, Leave the people alone. You're putting them at risk by believing in a different, uh, in a different
1: uh, way of life. Why? In many ways, the, the fear of proselytizing in different parts of the world, or not even the fear, the, the idea that they do have their own religion, just leave them alone, is very much a Western concept. People in the Middle East, they want to know about truth. And and specifically, one huge example of that, we were at a conference where a Saudi believer, a man from Saudi Arabia who came to faith in Christ, stood up in front of a whole group of international workers and told us directly, he says, I know that you know what it's going to cost us if we come to faith in Christ. But please, don't stop telling us. We need to hear the gospel. It's so important that we do. And they do. They do. They love hearing about about faith. Um, I was telling Eldon how when I would visit, particularly in the country of Egypt, I would sit down there with a a young Egyptian man, a Muslim man, and his first question to me was, are you Christian or Muslim? Because from his perspective, he's he's assuming that I'm Christian, but from his perspective, everybody in his country is Islamic. So if you're Arab, you're Islamic. If you're Canadian or Western, you must be Christian. That's just the, the main assumption. And so they love to sit and talk about and share about their faith just as much as they love to query us about our faith. And so a lot of times we spend the first conversations, first large part of our conversations, just kind of fixing the misconceptions about Christianity. They're taught so many mistruths, truths that aren't true or ideas that aren't true, such as the the Trinity, the Christian Trinity is actually God the Father, Jesus the Son and Mary the Mother. And so there's a lot of things that we have to go through and we have to just share with them that, no, that's, that's truly not what we believe. They are themselves are actually looking for truth. We live in Canada, we live in a post-truth society where um, you have your truth and I have my truth and that's all good. There's no such thing as absolute truth. That's not the way it is over in the Middle East and in much of the world, really. There still is much belief in a, an absolute truth. And so they want to know what the truth is. In fact, they're so, so concerned about our own being that they, they send missionaries, Muslim missionaries, over to Canada, to the States and so on, to share their faith with us. Because as in the words of one of the men who was in that, uh, that video there, the, the video of the, with the open face, he said, as he was in America, I have to go tell them about Muhammad. It's not fair that these nice people will go to hell. So it's, uh, it's, it's unusual um, for them not to want to discuss items of faith. They want to talk about faith. It's important to them. And that's just a different mind shift than we
0: have in Canada because it's, we don't talk about often, unless you really know the person, controversial issues. And there seems to be in our society now, people don't want us to talk about jesus the church has uh, um, adopted a bad reputation but what you're saying is in that country there's an openness to discuss absolutely
2: especially among refugees that are coming to canada it's far more open to speak to them about god to speak to them about jesus they know there is a god doesn't matter what religion they've come from. As a refugee, they know there's a God. They want to hear what you believe, and they want to come to your house and find out what you believe. And so you have a wonderful opportunity to share the freedom that Jesus gives. And they want to
0: come to your house to know
2: what you eat. Yes, They so. do. Right. They do. <laughs> now, it might be tricky because when you come from backgrounds that don't eat pork and things like that, right. mm-hmm. they may not eat what you have in your house because they know that your house is not halal, it's not prepared in the right way but that doesn't matter invite them over and you go to their house because they really do want friends and guess what they're just as scared of us as we are of them Mm -hmm. sometimes we're so scared to go and meet our neighbor who's maybe wearing all black and you can only see the eyes she's just as scared of you as you are of her but you need to become friends because then you can share together and have authentic relationships as we spoke about before and most
1: importantly the name of Jesus that we sang about, Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to God except through me. And, and Luke wrote in his book in the Acts uh, 4.12 that there is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. We need to, to express the same kind of, of love for, for people from a Muslim background as they express for us. We want them to hear the truth, and then they can make their choices. Yeah,
0: yeah that's, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, Bev and I enjoyed the experience just seeing what happens there religiously. We toured a mosque, and it was fascinating a beautiful building, just multi-millions of dollars worth of uh, architecture and so on. So we got to experience some of that. We went to the Christian compound, which the sheikh of the country built. Yeah, the United Nations, of course, wants. Countries to be open to religion, so um, he built a compound where other religions could gather. So there's uh, she, um, Sikh, Hindu, Sikh, yep.
1: Buddhism. Um, every religion that's not Islam has to meet in that yeah. compound,
0: including Christians So there are numbers of Christian organizations that meet, and they have one-hour time slots from early in the morning till late at night, all day Friday, uh, Thursday night as well. And uh, because there, there are so many expats in the country, many come to that location to worship. Uh, Kevin and Sandy took us to a hotel, and there's a church there that has two uh, sites, and there's about 3,000 people that come and worship there. Some, most of them are... Not from the country.
1: All of them are expats.
0: Expats. And so about a year ago or so, the country shut down uh, these locations. It gave us gave them a month that they could not meet outside of the compound. The pastors of those churches talked to the ministry in that country and said it's impossible, uh, there's no room in the compound. So they're giving them month by month per, uh, permission to meet in these other locations and now they have a three-month permit, but it was a beautiful experience and Really, it reminded me very much of what we do here very similar service uh, a band and the whole uh, experience was very similar here and Then on the Friday evening we went to a Muslim background believer church so these are people who are not expats, they are residents of the country, that have come to faith in Christ through either video or numbers of other ways. And so uh, Bev and I experienced that. Uh, just so you know, there was no music. No music at all. It, uh, it included caring for one another, uh, sharing prayer requests and praying for each other, and food! I mean food this is the important components of building relationships for good it was really different but very sobering so just tell us a little bit about the muslim background believer church it's the first church in 1400 years on that uh in that country
1: well not uh, not only in that country but in the entire arabian peninsula my goodness 1400 years ago Muhammad was on the earth and he he declared that there would be no religion in this region except for Islam So this is an amazing feat Due to sometimes it's the videos that were being shown up on the satellite TVs or websites and a lot of times due to dreams and visions many Muslims have been receiving uh, visions of God, visions of Jesus especially. And um, one church in, um, in the country of Egypt, I remember when we lived there, that uh, felt that this was such an important thing, that they were hearing stories of Muslims receiving visions from, from God, that they put an ad in the Cairo Times, the, the newspaper for Cairo, and it simply said, if you have seen a vision or a dream of the man in white, please call this number. They couldn't keep up with the phone calls. The phones were ringing off the hook. These, this is something that we don't experience in the West, or we certainly don't hear about it, but in the Middle East, it is such a powerful tool, and it brings so many Muslims to the place where they want to know more about who this man in white is. And so as a result of that, um, yeah, the, the, the local people are not allowed to gather in the, in the churches, the regular churches. Uh, They have to gather in secret, and so that's what they do now. We have a gathering that happens every second Friday. We happen to be there at the right Friday. And um, these Muslim believers, background believers, who now have faith in Jesus Christ, have come together, and they share their faith, and they, they share their stories, and they hear a message usually as well.
2: So the couple that is leading this church, they are an amazing couple. They take a lot of chances because it is risky to meet as a local believer in a, in a gathering together. It's risky because what if their family finds out that they are actually, never mind if they come to Jesus, but what if they're even asking questions because it is actually forbidden in this faith of Islam to ask questions. So to even ask the question that's different is actually quite scary for these people. But they are asking the questions once they have dreams and visions and they see video and they say, this Jesus, we know he's a prophet, but they're saying something different about him. What's he doing? What is this freedom they're talking about? And so they're coming to learn. So this couple that we're talking about, they are the ones that are teaching them, but not just about Jesus. They're also looking at Christian marriage and saying, what is this between Christian husband and wife that they have? And so they want to learn about that. And then they see how we raise our children. And so they're asking questions. How do we raise our children like this? And on the other end of the stick, they're saying, yeah, but look at Britney Spears. She's a Christian. Yikes, if our kids want to do this, oh my goodness, we don't want them to be Christian. So they really want to clarify, what is this Christianity? So this little church is gathering to answer questions like that and also gathering to worship Jesus and to praise him. Let me tell you about Basma. Basma was in the church service um, the day that Eldon and Bev were with us. She is the mom of three kids. She left her kids when her son was one or two and her daughters were just a little older. And the reason she left is because she found Jesus, she found freedom, she told her husband and he got mad. And he said, you will not be allowed to live. And he threatened to kill her. So she left the family, including the little boy and his two sisters. And she flew to another country. And she's been living in this country for the last 15 years. Well, she's been praying for her kids that were left behind. So now, fast forward 15 years here. And the son, Joseph, and some of you have read about him in our newsletter. He accepted Christ and he got baptized. His dad found out that he got baptized, and he beat him so badly. Joseph had a stroke at the age of 15. Landed in the hospital for a couple of months. Couldn't walk, couldn't talk, couldn't anything. He was actually paralyzed. But my goodness, two months after, all of a sudden, he came out of, he, had, he was in a coma. He began to speak. He began to walk. He became normal, if you want to call it that, again. But then he was on the run because his dad threatened his life. And every night he went to a different house, trying to find refuge, trying to find safety. At the age of 15, can you imagine this? Well, anyway, he got caught, he went to prison. Um, Joseph was also part of the Muslim Brotherhood. And once you're part of the Brotherhood, you don't get out. So they were also looking for him. He ended up in prison and then ended up getting out. And so his mom thought, oh hallelujah. And then they had a big meeting at the mosque and said, we're going to decide what will happen to Joseph. He will live or he will die. And his dad, we had been praying for his dad, Lord, let him see with clarity what he's doing to this boy. And he did see, and he came to Joseph's defense, and he said, no, we will not kill him, even though he has not recanted and taken back his uh, commitment to Jesus Christ. He was allowed to live, and they were going to ship him out of the country and let him get some education. But then it was he got caught again because they said he was involved in some kind of demonstration against the government. We believe he was there, but he did not do what they accused him of, and there is actual video footage to prove that Joseph is innocent, but because he'd already been to court and the judge said, we're going to sentence you, they actually did sentence him to 18 years in prison for something he didn't do. And right now we're praying, and I just sent out an urgent prayer request for March 28th. There's going to be a hearing for Joseph. And they may change judges, in which case he may have a chance yet to prove his innocence. If they don't, he will be sentenced to 18 years in prison. If they change judges, it will be a miracle. Because in the Middle East, we live in a shame-honor society. And it would shame the other judge to be proven wrong. And to go back to the evidence, so this was huge. So please pray for Joseph, March 28th, that the judge will change and the shame will not be too much for this other judge to bear.
1: As you can tell, it's not the easiest to live as a Christian in these countries. And so one of the things that our, our friends, uh, Lena and Salam have decided to do that not only do they want to hold Friday meetings, they recognize there's a need for discipl- for discipleship, for training, for teaching these people to go and to share the gospel with other people as they live within the Arab society. And so right now they're in the process of trying to to uh, obtain a, uh, a refuge, a safe refuge place, a place, a, a center where Muslims, these Muslim background believers can come to in safety. And so they're doing this in a nearby European country. And so that's another prayer request that, that we have, that these um, this opportunity for them to have a a safe refuge for muslims to come to to learn about their faith and to learn about how to share their faith would come to fruition
0: so uh, what we're trying to communicate is that um, some religions are oppressive and some are uh, don't allow freedoms and when you come to christ there's freedom and there's actually danger in some of these countries Uh, but we believe that Jesus Christ is the way. He is the truth. He is life. And so I'm grateful for people like Kevin and Sandy who go to places that are difficult, that have consequences for faith, so that people have an opportunity to believe. Um, Last point in your notes is that we need to cooperate with the leading of the Holy Spirit. And in your notes, you can read it this afternoon, it's a story of Cornelius, who was a, a Gentile, and he had dreams that he needed to meet with uh, Peter. And Peter, at the same time, was having a dream that, he, that there were some people coming to see him and that he should go with them. And he was steeped in Jewish tradition where you didn't go to a Gentile's house, you didn't associate with them, you didn't eat what they ate, and God was showing him in this dream that he needed to get out of his comfort zone, outside of the box, and he needed to go. And he woke up from the dream, there's a knock at his door, and said, Peter, come, and come to our house. And Peter went, and went to the home of Cornelius. And his opening line was, you know I should not be here And being associating with you what a great line to open a conversation you're unclean and I shouldn't be here and then he told them of Christ and the people embraced Jesus and were filled with God's Spirit and experienced his freedom and here's the point when we are filled with God's Spirit when we are attentive to his voice God leads us to share our faith with other people And so prayer becomes central to this whole idea of allowing Christianity to to thrive and to spread and to continue. If we don't do that, we won't have this legacy, this 2,000-year legacy of Christianity. And so, just tell us what is uh, how necessary is prayer in your work in the Middle East.
1: It is absolutely essential. In fact, our team has made a commitment that we will not do anything until we first pray about it as a team. So everything has to be bathed in prayer. The very work that we're doing has been bathed in prayer for the last 50 to 100 years by spiritual giants that have gone through these lands and prayed and have seen no fruit whatsoever. The fruit that we see coming today is a result of those prayers. And the prayer If you want to learn more about what kind of things need to be prayed about, we have resources available. They're online. Um, Praying Through the Arabian Peninsula, or PTAP as it's called, as shown up here on the slide, is a a fantastic resource. It shows videos and testimonies and and prayer requests for all of the different countries of the Arabian Peninsula. It's very important. Our organization, the Alliance, has put out recently a... um, I'm going to call it here again now, get the right name. 24 days of prayer, and so that's on the next slide. That's something we can make available to our church here as well and make sure that it is available so that you can go through and pray for all of the Silk Road region and beyond, for that matter. But the Silk Road region, in particular the Arabian Peninsula, needs prayer so desperately. We truly feel the results of prayer. When people are praying back at home, we can feel the oppression of the of our enemy lifting. And um, we, we know that that's important. It's
2: As Kevin says, we as believers have an enemy. He is prowling. He doesn't want to lose his territory. He is very territorial. And we get pushback. When you go to another place and you want to tell other people, we don't go to force other people. We go only to tell the freedom that is in Jesus and people choose. But when we do that, we get pushback. And you might say, well, how do you get pushback? You get it in health problems. We get unusual health problems. We get technology problems when we've set up for a film shoot and everything is great. Three seconds later, nothing works. And there's no reason for it not to work. You pray, it works. You're like, okay, what happened? We don't know. (laughs) Something (laughs) happens. We get relationship problems when you work on a team. You can have big problems when the enemy is pushing at each person because each of us are different. And so we have to work those things out because we all come from different places. We get marriage problems when you go somewhere else and you want to work and you want to tell. All of a sudden, you and your spouse can't get along for some reason, even though you did prior. So all sorts of pushback happens. Without your prayers, everything is useless. Nothing will change. Nothing will happen. And people will not learn who the holy spirit is they will not be able to listen to his voice so without you guys we can do nothing and i mean who are we little kids from manitoba from the farm you know old kids (laughs) old kids from manitoba (laughs) so thank you i want to thank you so much for your prayers because you are our partners and together when we stand together in heaven and God looks and there's a group of people standing there from the Arabian Peninsula. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servants. You kept going and you kept praying and you kept doing. So thank you so much.
0: And thank you for responding to go there and for what you do there. It was, it was great to be with you. We're so proud of the work that you're doing. And I want to challenge some of you who would like to, to be partners with that region of the world in prayer. And if you want to do that, if you would let us know on your connection card or Kevin and Sandy will be at a table by the fountain on the way out uh, after the service and you can let them know. We will create a Silk Road prayer team uh, partnership on Realm. So prayer requests and information and resources will be posted there for you to make it easy. So those of you who would like to partner with this region of the world in prayer, please indicate that today. And last but not least, some of you could go. Some of you could be in that team out there in the Middle East, and you could use your skill set, your business sense, your profession You might be an accountant or a physiotherapist or a carpenter or you may have some trade that would be useful there. And you can build relationships with people, be part of the team. And so could I just encourage you if you feel nudged to to be in another country using your skill set and spreading Christianity, please talk to myself or one of the staff would be delighted to help you in that way. Just give us a short update about your future.
1: Yeah, things are changing in our lives. Uh, We returned back to Canada and found that our aging parents weren't aging so well. So we've informed our organization that we're gonna have to stay back in Canada, hence the picture with the snow, and um, and take care of parents uh, for the next few years for sure anyways.
2: Yeah, mostly it's my parents. Kevin's parents are doing quite well. But I have a dad that has MS, and my mom is getting dementia, and I think my dad might be sliding down that slippery slope as well. And we just can't leave them alone, and there's no one else to do it. And so (laughs) we need to stay. We're happy to stay. We want to stay. We want to, what does Scripture say, to honor our mother and father. Mm -hmm. It grieves us deeply to leave our ministry. But it, it's joy, on the other hand, to come home and honour these parents that gave us Jesus in the first place, right? So we want to come home, but it mm-hmm. it's been a tough decision to make. And so we're, I guess our final days are around May 31st, roughly. I may be still doing some finances for the Silk Road region yet, but we'll work that out.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, we honour your decisions. And I know it's tough to leave there. The team out there is remarkable. There's, there are teams, and then there are super teams. And this was a super team. And seeing them in action was a real privilege for Bev and I to be part of that. So thank you. Thank you for being here. You'll be at the table at the back. You can converse with people. And if you would like to be a prayer partner, just indicate that uh, to them. they will be de- delighted to, to include you. So let's say thank you to Kevin and Sandy. Thank you very much. We're about to receive the morning offering. And just so you know, it's your giving that allows us to partner with this Silk Region part of the world and other uh, places that we partnership in Africa and Peru and uh, in our community. And so, thank you for your faithfulness in giving. I'm going to ask the volunteers come forward at this time to receive our morning offering. The band is going to play and sing a song called God is on the Move. And you need to know that God is on the move, not just here, not just in our church, but around the world. And we saw it in the Silk region. So thank you for your investment in Circle. Let's pray. God, as we give to you this morning, we thank you that you are take and use these gifts to help people. In Jesus' name, amen.